0: This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, Confidence, and Integrity. With Dan Munro. What's up? Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today's going to be somewhat of a philosophical rant. Part Taoism, part Stoicism, part Buddhism, part I don't know what the fuck. But we're going to be talking a lot about acceptance today from both a philosophical and a practical standpoint. I want to start with the kind of blanket statement that suffering can only come from struggling against reality. Let me say that again. Suffering only occurs when you struggle against reality. You know, it's only exhausting to swim upstream. It's actually fairly straightforward and easy to just flow downstream with the current. So when you go against the current, when you fight reality, that it really hurts. You can have pain... You might bump into rocks as you sail down the river. But suffering, that only comes when you try to swim back up the river. Something that you're not strong enough to do. Ekatole says, stress is being here when you want to be there. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I want to talk about how the only suffering you have in your life about who you are and how your life's going comes from wanting to be someone else, wanting to be somewhere else. Even if someone else is just a future version of yourself, who doesn't currently exist, and somewhere else is just an intensified version of what you've already got. More money, more women, more approval, more popularity, more health, more whatever it is you think. There's more, better, in the future, this concept. You know, Suffering comes when you, when you look at your life and you declare that there's something missing. Despite the fact that you're clearly alive, therefore your survival needs at this very point are being met. You decide something's missing. You decide it's missing a girlfriend, uh, it's missing confidence, wealth, popularity. Maybe you're missing pleasurable emotions. Maybe you're missing skills. Maybe you're missing a certain place to live. You look at your life and you go... This isn't good enough, and that's not good enough, and that's missing, and need more of that, and less of that, and so on. I want you to start by noticing that you're the one who makes that call. Other people will tell you these things about yourself as well. They'll judge your life and say it's missing things, but for that to be true, you have to agree with it. For example, if someone says, oh, you need a girlfriend, you have to agree that you need a girlfriend for that to actually hurt you. If you think having a girlfriend's is the dumbest idea in the world, somebody else saying that you need one won't hurt. You won't feel like you're missing anything. It's like if someone comes to me and says, you need more astrology in your life, that won't hurt me. I don't feel that astrology is missing from my life. I don't believe it would contribute anything to it. I don't believe that I'm any less complete without it. But when I look at my life and decide, you know what, I should have less stress, then I feel something's missing. Or I've got too much of something that should be reduced. When I look at my life and say, I need more money. The amount of money I have isn't enough. Then the struggle begins. Struggling is like being tied to a chair. Where you absolutely cannot get untied. But you thrash against the straps as hard as possible. Just to make sure it hurts even more to be tied to the chair. And this is how most people behave when they suffer, they struggle against reality, they sit and thrash on the spot, taking actions or having thoughts and feelings that accomplish nothing, other than to hurt more than reality hurts. See, there might be a certain amount of loneliness that comes from not having a partner, but then when you say, I should have a partner, that loneliness is amplified, isn't it? It becomes much worse. It hurts more. Being without a partner, being lonely, it's a slightly empty, hollow feeling inside, a little bit of sadness. It's nothing, really. Nothing that painful. A cloud in the sky. But when you compound it by saying it's wrong that I'm single, and the future me will have a partner, and he's better than I am, and I'm working towards him. Then you thrash against the straps, and you injure yourself, psychologically, philosophically. This comes down to something we've been calling at Brojo, fantasy. This place that you call better. Maybe it's a better version of yourself. Maybe it's a better external situation than you're currently in. Better mindset. Better possessions. Better health. It's this thing you imagine. this fantasy in your head. Where you take what you've got, you improve it, and then you create a picture of like a movie in your head of what that would look like. And what shortly follows making this movie is a comparison with reality. You look at this movie, this fantasy, you look at your current life, and you look at the difference, and the difference hurts you, doesn't it? Notice some other areas where you don't do this, and you're not harmed. For example, notice how you probably don't fantasize about being able to walk through walls. You don't have that ability. You don't feel that it's missing from your life. And yet if you were to wake up tomorrow and see that everyone else could walk through walls, and you're the only one who couldn't, suddenly there would be the struggle, wouldn't there? There would be the suffering, this I've missed out feeling. Now you struggling and wanting it and not having it, it doesn't do anything productive. It doesn't change the fact that you can not walk through walls. But it definitely makes it hurt more, doesn't it? So a struggle is that concept where you imagine something better, a better you, a better life. You then compare it to your own life. You declare your own life as being worse. Your current moment as being worse than that fantasy. And then you just kind of mentally thrash on the spot just to make sure it hurts. Now sometimes this thrashing takes the place of what looks like, say, goal setting or ambitious behavior. You bust your ass, for example, to make more money. You go out and you approach every girl you can to try and make a girlfriend happen. You get down to the gym and work out until you're sick to try and make those muscles that you don't have suddenly appear. And yet it's still a thrash, isn't it? Because you come home from those activities and you don't feel better, you feel worse. You don't feel like you've made progress. If anything, you just highlighted that you're not where you want to be. These actions seem to be worthless because they don't bring instant results. They don't instantly, magically transport you into that future fantasy. They're just thrashing on the spot, aren't they? Now that these actions may contribute to a higher quality of life in the long term, but they don't do anything for now, do they? When you've got this mindset. When you're doing them to try to get somewhere else. When you're not doing them for the love of doing them, but you're doing them as a strategy to make that future fantasy happen, there's very little joy in doing them, isn't there? Especially when you don't see instant progress. Why is it that people drop out of dieting and going to the gym so often? Is it because eating healthy and working out is not pleasurable? Actually, no. It's because it's not instantly rewarding. It's because it's not instant in getting results. The fantasy you had of yourself is still different... To who you are when you get home from the gym or after you eat the salad. Suddenly the gym and the salad seem worthless. Feels like they made you suffer. And yet the suffering came from the constant fantasizing and comparing. And declaring your current life to be worse than something that doesn't even fucking exist. And that's just comparing to your own fantasy in your head. When it gets really ugly is when you start to compare to other people. You look at someone else's life. And for some reason you trust your ability to judge it accurately. You look at it and you think, they've got a better life than I do. You you probably even just, you just glimpse at their life. You see some guy driving a flash car with a beautiful girl on his arm. Or you see some famous person laughing in the company of another famous person. You think, they've got all these things I don't have. You don't bother to measure their actual levels of satisfaction with life. You don't bother to measure what happens behind closed doors when no one's looking. You don't measure their depression levels, their anxiety levels, their suicide rates. You don't measure any of that. You just look at this brief, thin-sliced glimpse of their life and you go, My life's worse! And then you just thrash against the straps, don't you? You just look and you thrash. You compare and you thrash. And as you thrash, you injure yourself. Sometimes the injuries are very long-lasting. You do damage to your psyche, where you've now got this permanent view that everybody else has things better than you, or that your life is constantly incomplete, and that you aren't enough. It's like a scar in your brain. Your messaging can't get out without going through the scar tissue and coming out skewed on the other side. You can't even do something as simple as answer an email without your brain going, well, you could have done that better. Because it can constantly imagine a better. In fact... No matter how successful you are in the world... Your brain can keep coming up with better. You can be the fastest runner in the world... And your brain can still imagine... Running that distance in a shorter period of time. You can be the most powerful man in the world... And your brain will still be able to imagine... Somehow having more power. I want you to also notice... That how often struggling and struggling and struggling doesn't do shit. It's one of the most unproductive reactions to life. When you look at your life, you decide it's not good enough, and then you thrash away, either with thoughts or actions, notice how ineffective those reactions have been for you. Notice how they haven't actually brought you any closer to satisfaction. Notice how they enhanced the suffering, intensified it, made you focus on it and blow it up in your mind. If you feel stressed, depressed, upset, frustrated, annoyed, disappointed, overwhelmed, what these helpful emotions are telling you is a very simple message. You are thrashing against reality. Those are the emotions that your body and your brain try to use to communicate with you, to tell you, hey, you're doing it wrong. And not as in you're not making the fantasy happen doing it wrong, but as in you're fighting against reality doing it wrong. As in you're not working with what you've got, you're just sitting there thrashing thinking about what you could have. This fantasy. Sometimes the fantasy is simply about being away from a current pain. The current pain of being impoverished, the current pain of being overweight. The current pain of being single, the current pain of just having some hassle events take place, like having to move house, or being in a job that sucks, or overcoming an injury, getting through a breakup. Quite often fantasy is just about being in a place where that pain is resolved. And yet notice how you are in that place right now. That so many of your previous pains, in fact, probably 99.9% of them, have been resolved. And yet still you struggle. I think of all the painful experiences I went through that never seemed to end. You know, getting tattoos, moving house, the visa issues of living in a different country, legal issues with lawyers. These things that dragged out for months it cost so much hassle and suffering. They're all finished now, and yet my ability to struggle against reality is still right there. I can do it any I've solved nearly every problem that's ever occurred in my life, and yet I can still suffer. Notice how you can too. Notice how if you expand your current focus away from the problems you have right now, And try to register how many problems you have had in the past, how many millions, billions of problems you've had that occurred every day of your life since the day you were born. And notice how most of them either went away on their own or you resolved them actively. You've solved nearly every problem that's ever occurred in your life and yet you still suffer. And somehow you believe that solving your current batch of problems will end your suffering? If solving problems ended suffering, you would have stopped suffering a very long time ago. You've solved the problem of learning how to speak, of learning how to move your muscles in a coordinated way, learning how to interact with people, learning how economics works, of how government works, how to feed yourself, how to clothe yourself. Some of you have learned how to build families, some of you have learned martial arts. You've solved so many fucking problems in your life, you've learned so much. If that was the solution to suffering, you wouldn't be listening to this. And yet you look at your current issues and you think, all I've got to do is solve these. That's the cause of my suffering. These problems. The not good enough story. The idea that you could be better, but for some reason, you're either choosing not to be, or this better place is being withheld from you unfairly. Well, which one is it? Because if you're choosing to not be good enough, then change your choice. But if being good enough is unavailable, then let it go. Your better can either happen right now, or it can't. To thrash against trying to make a can't happen now is the most ridiculous use of energy, and yet we all do it, don't we? If I suddenly decided that I wanted to have an eternal life to never die, or I wanted to be able to fly like a bird, I would be stuck in a struggle for the rest of my life because that's never going to happen. I'd just be thrashing. All my actions would be worthless because they'd all be trying to solve unsolvable problems. Problems that don't need to be solved. Problems that aren't going to make my quality of life any better. If I suddenly was able to fly like a bird, imagine the extra problems that would come in my life. Trying to avoid power lines, other birds, everybody would find out that I could fly, I'd become too famous, I wouldn't be able to show myself in public. I'd hit airplanes, I'd have governments trying to regulate me. Flying's more hassle than it's worth. And if I could live forever, can you imagine the suffering of nothing ever being worthwhile, of all your friends dying before you do? Of never being scared of anything, so therefore never finding anything important or thrilling. You think all the solutions to your problems will end your suffering, and yet all they do is change the flavor of your suffering. You think you're suffering when you're single. Wait till you get into the suffering of a relationship. You think you're suffering because you're barren. Wait until you get into the suffering of raising kids. You think your job sucks. Wait until you see the next job and the hassles that comes. You think being poor sucks. Wait until you have to try and manage a lot of money. More money, there's more money to worry about. Of course, this isn't all strictly true. There is some statistical support for the idea that certain things can create a better quality of life. But struggling against the current quality of life you have right now is certainly unproductive. Just because you might have more money in the future doesn't mean that struggling against the amount of money you have right now is a helpful thing to do. Take a moment to look at it. What is your now? And what is your fantasy? What's the difference? When you think of yourself as not enough, what's missing? And why do you think filling in that hole is going to remove your suffering? If you're single and you think being in a relationship is a better version of yourself, exactly what purpose is this relationship serving? That A, you can't get by yourself. And B, will actually reduce overall suffering. And what is struggling against being single doing for you? Now you can replace single in relationship with anything. Money and more money. Unhealthy and healthy. Unpopular and popular. Shy and confident. Whatever it is, this thing you imagine in the future, you really do imagine it as having less suffering. But whether or not it has less suffering has nothing to do with what it is and all to do with how much you'll accept it. See, somebody can have a great life no matter what it is if they accept it. As the Stoics say, accepting fate, loving fate. Going, what is here right now is the best thing because it's the only thing. Think about how things change once the fantasy comes true. What's beyond the tick box accomplishment? We can see that rich, beautiful, powerful and popular people are still miserable. Every day the tabloids document them getting in divorces and drug problems and suicide. So what exactly is it they have that we don't? What, what's, what, what's included in their life that's missing in yours? Because they don't seem to be appreciating it as much as you seem to think you will. You really seem to think that somehow when a problem's solved, your brain won't find more problems to whinge about. And yet your brain is fucking wired to do this. No matter how many problems you solve, your brain will look for more. It doesn't have a finite list of like, hey, once you get rich, we're cruising. It tells you that, but every rich guy will tell you once you get rich, other problems come up. Problems you didn't even know existed. Problems that you can't even conceptualize while you're poor. When you're poor, it's just like hand to mouth. You don't even conceptualize the problems of trying to reduce your taxes by moving your money around different countries. A huge hassle process, working with accountants and mathematics. More headaches than fucking trying to provide the groceries ever was. When you're poor, that problem doesn't even exist. You don't even think of it. It never occurred to you when you get rich, suddenly the problem occurs. What does the fantasy have that you don't have now? What's beyond the accomplishment? So you get rich. Then what? What changes inside you that makes life better? How do the neurochemicals start functioning differently so you feel more satisfied? What exactly does this imaginary thing called money do to you when the numbers on the bank screen go up? And how long does that last? You think if I just, if I could just get into a relationship, then my suffering would be over. Okay, so let's say you're in a relationship, then what? What happens one week, the next week, the next month, the next year? You think it's just an endless, blissful experience, like the heroin high that never ends? You think you're just lying there just going, oh god, this feels so good all the time with no suffering whatsoever? You think that's what's gonna happen? Or are you... Consider yourself slightly more realistic, and you believe that, yes, there will still be suffering, but there will be less suffering. Do you really believe that? You've solved most of your problems. How's that going? Is the suffering less? Most people, they get into more depression and anxiety rates as they get older. There's very little depression and anxiety in children, and yet you had bigger, more complicated problems when you were a child than you ever have as an adult learning how to speak, learning how to walk, learning how to interact with people for the first time, trying to sort out your fucking issues with authority. Those are much bigger problems than trying to find a job. Trying to get a girlfriend. And yet you solved all those ones, remember? They're all done now. Remember how hard it was to drive a car the first time? Now you can text and drive and eat all at the same time that you probably shouldn't. Has that reduced your suffering around driving? Does that mean you get into a traffic jam and you're like, ah, no worries, I learned how to drive. Traffic jam's nothing. When you drive into town, there's just no parking spots and you're five minutes late already? Are you completely stress-free in that moment where you're just like, hey, look, compared to learning how to drive, this problem's a breeze. Fuck it. No. Because your brain adjusts to the new reality and goes, still not good enough, still not good enough, still not good enough. Can't you see that? Can you not notice how no matter... How many problems you solve, your brain can always think of another one, it can always imagine another life, a better life, and compare it to your current one and say not good enough the same way it's always done with the same amount of struggle and the same amount of suffering. It's amazing to me when I'm coaching guys how many of them think that being single is the worst thing in the world, and they get into a relationship and six months later their suffering is equal to when they were single equal same amount of stress same amount of sleepless nights same amount of self-worth doubts it's not a slightly better level of it's the same same fucking struggle i was like well you solved your problem you ticked the box are you feeling better about life no well because solving problems does not end suffering You can't solve all the problems. Problems are infinite. Your brain constantly makes new problems where none existed before. It turns being rich into a tax problem. It turns being single into adjusting your life around somebody else as a problem. It turns being unpopular into too many appointments to make everyone happy. What am I going to do with my weekend as a problem? No matter how good something is, your brain will find a problem with it, and it doesn't take very long to do. People can find a problem with their lottery winnings within a couple of weeks. People start complaining two days into a holiday. Your brain's always looking at better, comparing it to now, and then calling now worse. However, this does not have to rule your life. This is a philosophical issue, make no doubt about it. This is all about how you perceive reality. Your brain will always look for a better future and try to compare it to now, but whether or not you believe that story and allow that story to rule you, that's something you have some agency in. Think about the person who suddenly has a major illness or an injury. Now before they get into the car accident, let's say, they are worried about their taxes, they're worried about whether or not their wife was fantasizing about somebody else, you know, they're worried that maybe they're getting a bit too much belly fat and they can't see their abs anymore. All these seemingly terrible issues. And then they get into an accident, they wake up three weeks later and they can't even move their legs. How much do you think the jealousy bothers them then or the tax problems or the belly fat? goes out the fucking window, doesn't it? Because now, the biggest problem they have is whether or not they can move their toes. All the energy that they used to put into maintaining their career, or trying to please their wife, or trying to do sit-ups at the gym, comes down to just trying to wiggle one of their toes. Of going through the fucking torture of physical therapy. Just willing that big toe to move. Now the funny thing is, people in those situations, it's not unusual for them to get more satisfaction from wiggling the toe, or whatever the equivalent progress is, than they would from getting a massive promotion, or having someone love them. The nature of the problem changes, and so does the measurement of satisfaction. Before, they had to be rich, and popular, and athletic. To be good enough. Now they just need to be able to wiggle their toe. The stakes are much lower. Much easier. Now what is that? You'll all have gone through it. Depression's a good one for this. Before depression. Life's full of all these stressful things. Life's never good enough. You're constantly trying to make the fantasy come true. Then boom. You get slapped to fuck by depression. Suddenly just getting out of bed. Is the biggest problem you've got today. Just making it through the day is the accomplishment of the fucking week, isn't it? All those other things that were such a big deal to you, they pale in comparison now to the overwhelming weight of depression that you're trying to deal with. Mental illness, injury, quite often these things give us a big reality slap where we realize, fuck, it's actually a real accomplishment just to live through another day. We get reminded of that. Now, that doesn't mean we stop struggling against reality, but it shows us how subjective our struggle is. If it's equally satisfying to wiggle your big toe after an accident, as it is to get the big promotion at work, then what the fuck is satisfaction? How can it occur in such different circumstances? And if the suffering of getting a divorce is equal to the suffering of not being able to wiggle your big toe, then what is Suffering. How can it occur in such different circumstances, at the same level? Well, the only answer is, is because we generate the levels. The outside situations occurring to us is almost irrelevant. It's just a story. We tell ourselves to explain the struggle and the suffering. When I say, I'm so stressed because I don't have enough money, what I'm really saying is, I've chosen to struggle against the amount of money I do have, And it hurts to do this. When I say, God, I'm so lonely because I don't have a girlfriend. What I'm really saying is, I'm focused on this fantasy of me with this person who worships me. This unrealistic fantasy person. And then I'm comparing it to me now, which is just sitting in a bedroom with no other bodies inside this bedroom. And I'm looking at that guy sitting alone in his bedroom going, he sucks. And that hurts to do that. Being single itself is not objectively harmful. Telling myself it's worse than the fantasy, that hurts. We struggle against reality and yet we all die in the end. No matter how much you struggle, that's going to happen. So what's the point of the struggle? It's the main question I'm really posing to you here on a philosophical level. What do you get from the struggle? As you thrash against the straps of reality, wishing that reality was something other than what it is, wishing that you were someone other than who you are in this very moment, what do you gain from that thrashing? How does it benefit you to thrash against it? Reality is like being tied to a chair, being forced to watch a movie. You can't fast forward, you can't rewind. The movie goes at its own pace. You can't choose what the characters are in the movie are doing. You're not the director. You can't choose the scenery. And wishing the movie was different is the same as like thrashing against the straps of that chair while the movie plays on not giving a fuck that you're thrashing. That's how reality is, isn't it? Reality is, you know, quite literally, a movie inside your head. It's your brain interpreting electrical signals and making something arise in conscious awareness that explains those electrical signals. The fact is we have no idea what reality actually is. We just know the fantasy that our brain plays for us as a reaction to reality. You think you're hearing my voice right now, but what's really happening is signals in your brain are manifesting in your consciousness as my voice. What actually caused those signals, we'll we'll probably never know. We'll never know what it objectively looks like. And you can sit here going, no, I don't want him to say this stuff, and it will still be said. In fact, this is a great example. You're listening to a recording of me right now, and no matter what you want me to say, I'm going to say what's already recorded. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, you can pause the recording, but if you choose to keep listening, keep participating in life, you might say, no matter how much you want me to say something different to what I'm saying, it won't happen. I'll keep saying whatever it is that I've recorded here. This is life. I'm not saying life is pre-recorded, but in a sense it kind of is. By the time you experience life, it's already happened. Neuroscientists have measured this. You, You manifest reality in your conscious awareness a few split seconds after it occurs, after the stimulus. Which means by the time you realize what reality is, it's already happened. It's actually kind of already in the past. I want you to notice that what this means is there's fucking nothing you can do about reality. Wishing it was different doesn't do shit to it. Because by the time you wish it was different, it has already taken place. It's over. It's done. You might notice how ludicrous it is to wish that your past was different. While wishing that your present was different is wishing that your past was different. Because the present has already occurred by the time you've noticed it. By the time a car crashes into you, it's already crashed into you. By the time someone dumps you, they've already dumped you. Do you understand? For you to then go, no, I don't want this to happen, is to look at the past and to say, I want to go back in time and stop something from happening. It's interesting because when you imagine a future, quite often what you're imagining is what would happen if you were able to go back in the past and change an event. To make the present different to what it is. Think of how ridiculous it is to wish for this. How delusional. Now knowing it's delusional and irrational doesn't actually help, does it? You actually quite often notice that you're wishing for the impossible. But it's important to notice how much you wish for the impossible. Because every time you feel stressed, depressed, disappointed, frustrated, annoyed, upset... You're wishing for the impossible every fucking time. That's what those emotions are there for. That's their job, is to go, hey, you're doing it again. You're wishing for something that isn't now, that isn't real. That may be possible in the future, but not possible now. And now is the only moment that exists. In fact, it existed a couple of nanoseconds ago, so you already missed it. If we come back to the idea that you're strapped into a chair watching a movie that you cannot control... We can add this extra element, however. And that is, you're a character in this movie. And you don't get to control the scenery, you don't get to control the other characters, but you do get to control how your character reacts to the rest of the movie. You can't fast-forward the movie to see where the character ends up. You can't rewind the movie to change what the character did once before. But you've got a lot of agency and autonomy about what he does right now in reaction to what is happening. You notice when you watch a movie, and this might not be true for all of you, it is for me. But if it's an interesting movie, you don't care how it goes. You don't care who lives, who dies. You know, Game of Thrones is a great one for this. I've been rewatching it lately. All your favorite characters die. The plot twists and turns every second. You never know how it's going to go. The good guys don't clearly win. The bad guys don't clearly lose. It's all over the place. But I don't give a fuck. I don't care what happens to any of those characters. I hope they all fucking die. Because that would be entertaining for me. And this is how we often are with actual movies. We watch them we're like, Oh, it'd be nice if the main character did this. But as long as it's interesting, I'm on board. But you're not like that with your own life. In your own life, the character really has to win, doesn't he? He can't even have, like, a conflict. He can't even have an enemy. Now, in a movie, you'd find that boring. If the hero just won everything all the time, without any fucking suffering, without any pain, you'd be like, why am I watching this? It's was worse than reality TV. Come on, where's a conflict? Where's a protagonist? Where's somebody to mix some shit up? Come on, let's have the hero make a mistake and have to rectify it. Let's have some misunderstandings to fucking throw a spanner in the works. You'd be bored shitless if the movie didn't have pain, And conflict and things going wrong. And yet you think you wouldn't be bored if your life had no pain or conflict or things going wrong. There's a reason that rich, famous, popular, powerful people end up in rehab doing drugs. It's because when there is no conflict left, when everything goes the way you want it to, you lose your fucking mind. You think having to suffer through problems is bad. Wait until you hit the tedious boredom of nothing going wrong. Yeah, you'll enjoy it for a couple of weeks. But when it drags out to months, years, this endless bliss, with no blips on the radar, not even an enemy, well, we can clearly see what happens to people with that kind of lifestyle. They go fucking crazy. Just like you'd be bored to death if a movie had no conflict, no characters... No unexpected surprises. No challenges. Gotta understand, you are sitting there watching this movie. It's a virtual reality, in a sense, quite literally. Inside your head, your mind is making a virtual reality out of the signals and impulses it receives from whatever the hell outside reality actually is. You're watching this movie, you're in charge of one character in the movie. You can bump and move this character a little bit. What ends up happening to the character is inevitable. If you fast-forwarded the movie, if that was possible, the inevitable end is the character dies. So there's no point trying to fast-forward it. Trying to rush towards some future is just rushing towards death. And you can't fast-forward it anyway. But you can choose how that character behaves, right here, right now. You can choose whether he's going to be a hero, a villain, or a boring extra hanging out in the background. You can choose whether he does the right thing or the wrong thing. You can choose whether he works with reality as it is, or thrashes against it while he fantasizes. Every second you're presented with this choice. Go with life as it is and make the most of it, or thrash. They're about the only choices you're ever going to have, isn't it? Look at a situation and go, okay, what's the best I can do with the situation? Or, look at a situation and go, I wish it was better than this, and just sit there thrashing away. I know from my own experience, all the suffering I've ever had in my life has not come from what happened to me, it came from the thrashing. When I missed a flight to Kuala, from Kuala Lumpur to New Zealand, and the next one wasn't for another 24 hours, and it cost me over a $1,000 just for the short flight, and I had to like sleep on the floor of an airport for 24 hours and nobody spoke English, and nobody wanted to help me, and so on so on. None of that was actually painful. Slightly uncomfortable physically, a little boring mentally for sure. But the reason that that was such a 24 hours of hell for me is because I kept wishing it wasn't happening. I kept wishing I was already back in New Zealand, I kept wishing that I hadn't missed my flight. Wishing for the impossible, that's what made that experience so fucking awful. Notice the difference between waiting in a queue that you don't mind waiting in versus waiting in a queue that you wish you weren't waiting in. Notice the difference of suffering in that experience. When you're like, huh, queue's a queue, I'm, I'm lined up to go to my favorite movie, I've got to wait for my ticket, no rush, I've got plenty of time. Notice how that queue doesn't hurt you at all. But when you're like, oh my god, I'm already 10 minutes late and this is the most important meeting I've ever got to and now I'm stuck in traffic, that queue... Total suffering. But physically they're the same experience. You're just sitting there still waiting for things. And at a deeper level, all experiences are the same experience. You're just strapped to a chair watching the movie that is your life and telling the character to do stuff. The fact that you can feel what the character goes through is just kind of like very extreme virtual reality. It's like imagine if you could plug into a PlayStation and actually feel the bullets and everything. That is life but you don't get to control the game you just get to control your character and when you sit there waiting for your character to get better in the future you're just thrashing it doesn't make the movie go any faster you can't rewind it i guess all i really want to do with this podcast is i want it to act like something that you could review once a month just to remind yourself just to catch yourself say am i thrashing right now i've been catching myself a lot lately My partner's been unwell, I thrash against that. Had a few money problems a while ago, thrashed against that. Seem to be addicted to chocolate for some reason, I thrash against that. I don't need to. I just need to tell my character to stop eating chocolate. I just need to tell my character, hey, stop trying to fix your girlfriend. You know, just do the dishes so things are a bit easier for her. You know, I can tell my character, look, stop being needy and chasing money. Just try and serve your clients. Do what's right right now. You're not dying. It's fine. I get to tell my character whatever I want. But while I'm busy thrashing in the chair, my character just sits there like a fucking moron waiting for instructions. I sincerely hope this has been of some help to you. It was mostly a personal rant for my own reflection. But I thought I'd pass it on because it's been such a big thing for me lately. It's my interpretation of a big combination of different philosophies. If you wanna stop thrashing, if you wanna figure out how to give your character better instructions so that he and creates a movie that you enjoy watching right here, right now, get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz and I'll see you for the next one.